You are listening to the Fly on the Wall podcast with Ambassador Delano Lewis. Conversations about business, politics, government, education, and so much more. Now, here is your host, Ambassador Delano Lewis. Welcome back. This is Fly on the Wall podcast. This is part two of the interview with the distinguished and successful guest, actor-director Phil Lewis. Well, I want to relate to our listeners uh, another story. We're talking to uh, Phil Lewis, actor and director. Uh, um, We're talking about his early days, and this is all high school. And Phil, I don't know if you remember that uh, we were walking on interlocking campus, and this was your, your sophomore year, and uh, we were just chatting, and you mentioned about being a parent, and we were concerned and interested in, in you know education as well as the arts and being productive. And I know I got a lot of teasing by you and uh, your brothers about dad, and I was interested in jobs and whether or not you right. would get a job and be productive. <laughs> but um, you and I had this long talk, and I started talking about college and uh, uh, what you were going to do after high school and going to college and so forth. And you turned to me and you said, um, Dad, um, uh, I'm going for it. And I said, <laughs> I said, what did you say? He said, I'm going for it. I said, what does that mean? I said, you said, well, Dad, I, I'm not going to college. I'm going for it. I'm going to Hollywood. Do, do you remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. I knew it pretty early on that I didn't know if college was going to be the, the route for me. <laughs> So but, yeah, go I mean, ahead. it's part of having, I'm just going to say it's part of having that, that passion and that drive, um, to want to do something and to have the focus to, uh, to really pursue it and really do it. And I think that college, you know, it's interesting. There's a little double standard in my house because, uh, <laughs> I, my girls are both uh, going to college. One is in college and the other one will be going to college. And, uh, my wife and I, Megan, we're very adamant about the kids getting, going to college and, um, and it's a different day and age, and there's yeah. different interests and a lot of different variables that come into those decisions. Yeah, I'm but, not going to hold you to the standard. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, You're not you. a parent. Okay, let's go. Keep talking. That's right. So, you know, it, it really, it was uh, a path that I, uh, that I chose. And, uh, and, you know, I think that it was a path that uh, ended up uh, working, working itself out. Um, but there are more than one way, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat. Um, and uh, I certainly know a lot of actors that I've worked with or uh, admire that, uh, you know, did, did four years of a, of a rigorous school and studied theater or didn't study theater and are now working as actors and, and directors. So, it, you know, there's there a couple of ways to go about this. Yeah, I'm going to come back to that about um, what what we talked about uh, when you graduated, but I, I want to get two more steps before I get there because sure. I think there are very important steps that I think you, you had said that you told us that, you know, you enjoyed interlocking. Uh, it was great. Uh, but after the sophomore year, you, you really thought you wanted to come home. I can remember that you said that, you know, they were pretty strict and disciplined there um, uh, at Interlock. And you had a very rigid schedule. Uh, most of it you enjoyed. Uh, right. But you you said something to us about wanting to be a teenager at home and learning to drive a car and lots of other things. And so you said you'd like to come home. Right. Um, and we talked about it and we ended up uh, uh, enrolling you in Ellington School for the Arts. But share with the listeners. Right. You're you're thinking about that about about that that transition, 
Yeah, I mean, it was really, it, it, it was a kind of a need and want to, to be back in the neighborhood and back with, uh, you know, with the folks that I grew up with and, you know, try to live more of a, a life as a normal teenager. I mean, at this point, you know, I had been working professionally for, you know, five or six years. Um, you know, <laughs> and, you're, and you're only 15. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there, and, and I would work every summer. Um, if I wasn't in camp, um, even on the, the summers that I was in camp, I managed to work with library theater, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of bookending the, the summers. Um, so there was the sense of, yeah, why don't I get back and, and try and be quote unquote a normal teenager? Um, and, uh, you know, having an arts academy, um, a uh, school for the arts in, in DC certainly made it an easier transition. Um, and, uh, uh, so having my sophomore year or excuse me, my junior year in DC. Um, but then the, you know, that it, that couldn't hold me. Not at all. Um, not only did you excel at Ellington and for our listeners, uh, uh, Duke Ellington school for the arts is a very prominent, uh, it was then and still is a school for the arts, for the performing arts in Washington, D.C. And Phil went into that as a junior. And again, being supportive parents, Gail and I kept in touch and talked to the professors. And I don't know if you know, Phil, but they told us privately that uh, they in, they said they weren't too sure how much they could teach you. Um, <laughs> that you were, you were extraordinary. And she, they said... They just watch you and, 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 and watch you work. This was uh, coming from your teachers at Ellington that, that felt that you were, you were fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, that's kind. And, that, you know, then, coming off of Interlock, and it's, that's, a tough, that's a tough act to follow, right? Interlock. And so, and so then the, the other chapter of this story, which is an exciting one uh, for all of us, was that uh, due to uh, good friends of ours um, that, we, that Phil grew up with uh, in in Washington, um, this family had uh, a, a son that was uh, close was Phil's age, and the family had moved to California and living in Beverly Hills. And uh, we were talking uh, to, with Sandy, Sandy Pressman. We were talking to Sandy about uh, Phil, and where you know she's always and the family has always been supportive of Phil's career. And Ronnie was his best buddy. They they were born. They were cradle buddies uh growing up in dc and she said something about wouldn't it be great if they could do their senior year together here in los angeles do you remember right yeah well (laughs) she may have said that to you but ron and i had been talking about it for about a year (laughs) see we didn't know all of that that's right ron and i were concocting a plan as well uh that i would make my way to los angeles so i you know i knew in my junior year that i wanted to do film and television on a national level and i'd done you know some television in dc as we talked about and um obviously a lot of stage work but i knew that that film and television on a national level i had to be where the action was and that was in los angeles um and so we you know with with your blessing and mom's blessing and sandy's blessing uh we were able to move to los angeles but now i was only 17 mm-hmm. so the and this would be it would have been in august um of 1985 and i wasn't turning 18 until february of 86 so for that period of time, that four or five months, um, Sandy had to become my legal guardian. She basically had to adopt me. Well, um, but it was a little, it was a little more than that. Not only that yeah. was true, 
But to get you into Beverly High, you had to show a familiar connection, not just a residency. So right, you had to show right. some kind of familiar connection. Yeah. Um, so it was not only the age issue, but you had to be part of the family, not I just the it. resident. So got the po- thought was, okay, maybe we, uh, Sandy would adopt Phil. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a true story. So Gail and I had to think about this long and hard, and we found a lawyer in, in, in uh, Los Angeles who, who we work with. She said, yes, you can put him up for adoption, but we can also figure out you can also get him back. So, right. <laughs> so, so we decided, you know, after many hours of thinking and uh, in Sandy's kitchen in Los Angeles saying, do we want to do this? And you came by as we were contemplating this and says, guys, come on, sign these papers. I mean, <laughs> I'm ready to go. So, I didn't know what the holdup was. <laughs> so we did sign and Phil was adopted by Sandy Pressman and she's his guardian mother for, for that year. And we did get Phil back, but that's to, <laughs> that's to allow him to get into Beverly Hills High, which had a great reputation. He was with his buddy, Ronnie. Phil had this all planned that we didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that there were agents that would come to their plays and I mean all right. kinds of things. Yeah, it was it was fascinating. It was fantastic. And you know, I uh, my first day so I came in as a as a senior. Now, and when you come into a school as a senior, <laughs> you know, you were really behind the eight ball because most of those kids have gone to school together for 4 years. Um the other thing was that in Beverly Hills being a tight-knit community, most of those kids have gone to school since together since they were, you know, four or five years old. Right. Because of the school system in Beverly Hills, those kids kind of all went to the same schools. So I came in knowing maybe five people. I knew my best buddy, Ronnie, and a couple of people that he had introduced me to in my sub, my uh, visits prior to, to coming out and living. So I really, I knew only five people. So I'll tell you this story. So I went to the theater department. Uh, this is literally my first day of school. I went to the theater department wow. and uh, to the class and uh, the theater class. And I'm sitting in the back. I know no one. And the the teacher of the theater department is down on stage. And there's about 30 kids, maybe even 40 kids, that are part of the theater department. And the, the teacher says, um, he looks back and he says, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you are? And I said, I'm Phil Lewis. I'm, it's my first day. I'm just transferring in. Um, and they said that I could, if I wanted to join the theater department, I should come here. (laughs) And he says, well, that's all well and good, son, but, um, it's by audition only. Wow. And I said, I said, oh, okay. Um, when are the auditions? (laughs) And he said, well, I haven't really scheduled any audit. And I said, well, I could do it now. (laughs) And he said, well, I'm, (laughs) that's. That's great that you could do it now, but you would need to have a monologue. And I said, uh, would you like classical or contemporary? (laughs) (laughs) And he looked at me like, who is this kid? I said, yeah, I can either do Shakespeare or I can do something from Neil Simon. Those are the the two that I have off the hat right now. And so I went down and I did uh, Shakespeare. I did Hamlet's speech to the players. Uh, Wow. (laughs) Memory. And these kids looked at me like, who is this guy? Uh, and that was my first day at the theater department at Beverly Hills High School. <laughs> that was incredible. You know, we're listening. This is Fly on the Wall podcast, and we're talking to uh, actor-director Phil Lewis and uh, his, his great, great accolades, but he's our, our son. And I'm just, uh, you know, just excited as I can be. Uh, there are a lot of lessons uh, that we've talked about in this podcast. And if you've listened from the beginning, 
you've heard of a strong foundation that Phil has had in the arts, uh, from his Montessori school training to uh, library theater to Interlock and uh, and Ellington. Uh, but a real a real pro um, when he's seven up to seventeen eighteen years of age, and to just get that story back when Phil told me on Interlocking Campus that he was going for it, uh, Gail and I decided well maybe we could strike a deal, and the deal was that uh, if he didn't have an agent um, or and or a job. Uh, in six months, then he would probably, we would enroll him in UCLA drama school. And um, the rest of that story is that uh, within weeks, Phil called and said he had an agent and he had an episode on Hill Street Blues. <laughs> and you were 18 years of age uh, yeah. and when all of that started. Uh, you did come up with your end of that bargain. within within weeks yeah 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 that was uh hill street blues was so i graduated in june of 1986 and i booked hill street blues in july of 1986 (laughs) uh, wow it it was uh four weeks after so uh yeah it was uh it was uh pretty quick after but uh but i had you know one of the reasons that i wanted to come out for high school was so that i could start laying the groundwork for when I did graduate, as opposed to just graduating <laughs> high school and then having to start. So I had already started laying the groundwork. I had, like you said, I had the agent, I had the headshots, I was going out on auditions. It would, would be a matter of time before I booked something, and I uh, was lucky enough to book something right after I graduated high school. Well, I'm telling you, I uh, to, to, to have you as a guest of the show, uh, you, had in, you had instructed me to, if you said, Dad, if you really want to get a sense of what I've been doing, you should look at I am. Uh, DB uh, on the internet. And Phil, I just am amazed when I looked at your career. I mean, mom mom and I have tried to keep up. uh, (laughs) We know some of the things that you've done, but I have just been blown over by all of the things you've done in these years. And it's like, I can't believe 38 years, um, 35 years anyway, um, that you have been plying your craft, and it's been extraordinary. To just tell us about those early days as an actor, um, and whether or not being a, an actor of color uh, entered this picture uh, over those years. But tell us about that from the Hill Street Blues to the early days uh, of uh, your career. Yeah, well, you know, the early days, uh, uh, there are a couple of different ways to answer that question. You know, as an actor, um, you know, we go out for the parts that we're called for. So n- nine times out of 10, they will tell us they're looking for an African-American or mm-hmm. they're looking for an Asian or they're looking for a Caucasian or they're looking, you know. So we, you know, it's it's certainly in the late 80s, it was very hard to kind of push the envelope in other ways. Um, one of my mentors, and uh, or at least certainly not mentor, but one, someone that I looked up to very much, Lou Gossett Jr., who I had the chance to work with in the early 90s. Um, Iron, you Eagle, know, Iron Eagle series. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Iron Eagle 3, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, um, but um, Lou, you know, was... Uh, Lou pushed, Lou changed the game when he um, auditioned for Officer and a Gentleman because that was written for a, an Italian. Uh, they mm-hmm. wanted someone of Italian descent. And Lou Gossett said, 
just give me the chance to read. And he ended up reading for it, ended up getting it and ended up winning an Academy Award for it. Um, So there are, there are, you know, those are really the exceptions and not the rule. So I didn't really feel the racism because I was going up for parts that I was called for. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times. Now, I will tell you a funny story. I did get a call from my agent when I was in high school um, who said uh, there it was a it was a casting agent who said um, and literally this is the conversation. He said, uh, is this Phil Lewis? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, um, I didn't make it to the play at Beverly Hills High School, but I heard you're the best thing in it. So can we see you for a television show? (laughs) And I said, absolutely. And he said, okay, you're going to be playing the role of Jack Klugman's son. Mm. And I (laughs) I thought to myself, this guy has no idea that I'm black. (laughs) He has no idea. Now, if this were today, I certainly would have gone out on it. Right. (laughs) Because I would have loved to have seen the look on his face. But I said, do you, uh, I said, I just want, you do know that I'm African-American and there was dead silence on the phone. He said, uh, you know, I did not know that, but I certainly will call you in if I find something for you. Wow. <laughs> that was the last of it. So that, you know, really was, you know, the, the, now I will t- also tell you that not so much in the industry, but at school, I auditioned for the role of Peter Pan mm. in uh, uh, the school production of Peter Pan. And I didn't get it. Uh, another kid got it. And it, you know, I, look, there's a lot of rejection in this business, and I certainly, when rejection is warranted, I'm, you know, more power to the person that gets it. Mm-hmm. I did not feel that this kid deserved to be Peter Pan. <laughs> and um, I went up to the director and I said, uh, how come he got it and I didn't? And he, his quote was, I'm not sure Beverly Hills is ready for a black Peter Pan. He told you that directly. He told me that directly. Wow. So I went home and I told Sandy. And you, I, I, you, the fire that was lit under Sandy, I mean, I could not, she immediately called the school board and she wanted this guy reprimanded. She was not having it. She thought that was completely outrageous and racist and Mm -hmm. that, um, it, the part should go. This was, this was an institution of learning. Um, this is an institution of uh, equal opportunity and that that part should go to the best person. And so they, they, yeah. So she fought from, I ended up still not getting it, uh, or not doing it, but, um, that really was, you know, the, the, if there was racism, that's, it was actually in the school setting as opposed to, being out in the, the you know out in the workforce well kudos so and compliments to your to your guardian mother sandy Absolutely. Preston. uh that's that's an incredible story but it, i must also say i mean you're right in the thick of it we knew a lot about this but i do know that you were one of the two presidential scholars in the arts from the state of california right you were right. you you won that prize on merit out of beverly hills high school that's and there correct. was only one of two you were one of two for the whole state of California. Right. And you got that prize from Ronald Reagan in the uh, White House because you were a presidential scholar in the arts. Now, that's talent. Uh, well, thank you. And that was actually, uh, oddly enough, on the same day as my graduation from high school. Wow. So I did not go to my graduation <laughs> in high school because we were all at the White House getting, <laughs> getting a medal from, uh, from then-President Ronald Reagan. So, yeah, quite a, quite a cap to my high school career. Yeah, there was no question. We were out yeah. in the lobby, and, and I'll tell you this quick story. And 
there was some ladies reading the program and I heard, I just overheard them saying, and it says, Phil Lewis from Los Angeles, California. I, presidential scholar. No, 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 no. I think Phil Lewis is from here. <laughs> That's right. I defected. <laughs> she knew, she knew. But listen, Phil, uh, you've been so generous. I got so much. To, I got to just. Can you hang on for a few more minutes? Sure. I want to. I want to talk about the things that you've done, and uh, it's just amazing. Uh, TC on the Wayans Brothers, uh, City Slickers, uh, Eddie Murphy film. Uh, uh, it's just it's just absolutely amazing uh, the things oh, that you've God, done on TV, you. and obviously the sweet life of Zach and Cody. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm known I'm known as Phil Lewis's father um, in California because everybody knows Mr. Mosby and the sweet life. I've given speeches around the world, and um, people stand up when they found out that oh. uh, that you are my son, uh, the sweet life. Talk a little bit about it, uh, the people, the uh, uh, the cast, uh, the messages, the things that you guys did was just... Uh, well, it was an amazing experience. Um, the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody and Sweet Life on Deck, the Disney Channel series, both series ran in over 100 countries around the world. Wow. Um, so we were seen in 100 countries around the world. Um, and the show, both shows ran for six years. I think we did... A total of 187 episodes um, of both series, uh, and wow. this was this was a job I had gone into Disney Channel and auditioned for another movie, which uh, for a movie for them for the channel, and they um, they liked what I did, but we couldn't work out a deal, and I uh, the, the dates didn't work out for the deal, and they said, "Well, why don't you come in and read for uh, this uh, series?" Well, the series happened to be uh, was going to the pilot was going to be directed by my aunt in law. Mm-hmm. So Megan's aunt, uh, who is Lee Shallot Schemmel, is a fantastic uh, television director. Uh, she started off in stage as well on the East Coast, but uh, she's a fantastic television director, and she was directing the pilot. So we talked to I talked to Lee. I said, Lee, they want me to go out on this pilot. What do you think of it? And she said, Well, I think it's funny. I think you'd be great. Um, and she said, And by the way, if they if it does get picked up, it does run for a while because they like to buy in bulk. And I said, well, that's a great idea. So I went and I auditioned and uh, long story short, they in, we tried to negotiate a deal and the, they just didn't, they couldn't come up to money that we were, that we would, that we had hoped for. And so we went back and forth and back and forth. And finally they, they were able to come up with a contract that, that would work. And I ended up uh, doing the, the, the series of the show and that series um, really, you know, it, it did a number of things for me. It launched my exposure. I'm, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not recognized as Mr. Mosby from the sweet life. Um, yes, but we, also know, started- we, know, we know that when you visit, <laughs> when you visit Las Cruces, New Mexico on vacation, we know that you're, you're recognized at the local uh, ice cream parlor. That's right. Right, right. Exactly. It's, it's great. Like I said, you know, so that's certainly obviously the United States, but when we went to Europe, um, you know, there were massive, you know, massive amounts of people that would recognize me throughout Europe because we play in so many different countries. Um, but it also started my directing career. Wow. Uh, 
Um, uh, that was uh, the, the first show that I ever directed was an episode of Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. So that really, along with my mentorship from Lee, um, I was also mentored. Um, I have I have very, uh, not only do I have a famous father, but I also have a very famous father-in-law um, who has passed away, but his name was John Rich. Uh, and John um, is uh, was a director and was responsible for some of the greatest television that we watched. He directed the pilots of Brady Bunch and All in the Family and Gilligan's Island and Benson uh, and Sanford and Son and uh, did the series of uh, uh, Maud and Mary Tyler Moore. Dick Van Dyke. Um, and, and Dick Van Dyke, yeah, yeah. exactly. And so John uh, was very instrumental in, in getting me to direct. Um, and so was Lee as well. I owe them both a great debt uh, in that way. Um, so that so Sweet Life was the first episode that I directed and that ended up making the transition into directing uh, and now pretty much full time as a director, uh, as uh, as we speak. So, <laughs> Sweet Life was fantastic, fantastic uh, show for me, and I do it all over again if they ask me. Oh, that's incredible! That was what I was going to ask. Uh, going from uh, your acting career to directing, uh, just about that transition, and you obviously are enjoying it, and your directing career is just moving uh, in the right directions, upward and upward. Um, the Odd Couple, uh, Mike and Molly, Two Broke Girls, uh, Undateable. I, I'm just amazed. Uh, one Day at a Time uh, is just incredible. And I want to chat with you about that because I've watched uh, several of those episodes you've directed and there are messages of immigration and about drugs and about alcoholism and all sure. those things that are coming out through that show. And I wanted to get your sense of that, um, uh, about how that works. I know you're your director on those things, but the messages are coming out, which gets back to how we started this with imitations of life. That's right, how you said right. that's what that's what actors do. And exactly. I want to get a sense about your directing role in that regard. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, in terms of one day at a time, I, there's a, a number of different stories that we could talk about it uh, with one day at a time. Uh, that's a whole probably a whole other podcast. But <laughs> and I'd like to do that. We'll, we'll talk about that. Okay, <laughs> but it's a whole nother, uh, you know, first of all, I have the chance to work, as I mentioned, John's credits, 90% mm-hmm. um, of those shows were produced by Norman Lear. Wow. Uh, I shouldn't say 90, but maybe 60, 70% of those shows were by Norman Lear. I get the chance to work with Norman Lear on one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's, it's awe-inspiring. So, so you have to imagine, we talk about our you know, my younger days, sitting and watching All in the Family or, uh, uh, you know, watching Sanford and Son or watching the Jeffersons, um, you know, watching Good Times. Um, never in my wildest dreams did I think I would be working with the man that created those shows. Mm-hmm. And he is my boss, Norman Lear, on One Day at a Time. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and for him to compliment me, which he has on an episode and will will pull me aside and say, that was beautiful. You know, what I had done as a director, uh, that is, you know, I, I call Megan and I go, I can quit now. I peaked. Norman Lear <laughs> says he likes what I do. 
but it is an amazing ride to uh, to work with with the greats and in terms of the cast to work with Justina Machado who is one of the best actresses out there who plays the mom oh, she's and then incredible. of course of yes. course the grand dame Rita Moreno um <laughs> you know who is uh, uh, a quintuple threat i think she can do everything yeah i hope i can age. i hope i can dance as well Exactly. Exactly. I mean, she is just amazing. So I'm really, it's, I'm so blessed to be there. In terms of the issues, there are a lot of issues um, that certainly uh, are very close to me. Um, One of the characters, Schneider, is a recovering alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am also a recovering alcoholic. Um, with the grace of God, uh, 27 years um, of sobriety. Congratulations. Uh, that I, thank you that I just celebrated in uh, December, the end of December. So those those issues I'm very passionate about. Um, and when I get to work on um, on shows that talk about alcoholism, that talk about drug addiction, um, those are very passionate. I'm very passionate about those because it's something that um, – that really is a way of life uh, for me. Um, uh, you know, I am part of uh, part of a group <laughs> that I won't say the name of, mm-hmm. uh, but I am part of a group. I go to regular meetings um, and I try to spread the message of, of sobriety uh, when I can. And to have a platform like One Day at a Time is uh, is really important to me. And I'm very blessed to be able to do that. Well, thank you very much for that. And uh and thank you for sharing uh, the, your your thoughts about alcoholism and your road uh, to recovery. That's quite uh, commendable. So thank you for well, sharing thank that. You. Thank you. And it's it, it's part of you know there is there is a way of life uh, aside from uh, from drinking and drugs, uh, mm-hmm. and that was a life that I led um, you know more than twenty seven years ago, where. Drinking and drugs were really at the forefront of my life. Um, and to strip that away, um, you really start dealing with the real emotions and the real feelings. And, you know, one of the things that I thought about was, will I still be as funny if I'm sober? Right. Uh, will I be able to do this job if I'm sober? And the answer is that I'm better. Uh, I'm better now uh, than I was, uh, you know, when I was under the influence. Um, so that is, you know, for for anybody listening that that is struggling or that that needs help, there is help, and there is a better life. Um, there is a better way of life, uh, and I'm very blessed with the support of my family and my friends um, to have continued on in my life uh, and to uh, to do it uh, without the uh, the presence of drugs and alcohol. Well, thank you very, very much. Um, yeah. I have just a couple more things, but uh, let me tell the listeners uh, we're talking to actor uh, and director Phil Lewis. And uh, Phil, I just have a couple of things I want to ask you as we round this out. You've been so, sure. gen- so generous, generous with your time. There are certain things that I've heard you say that have been sort of critical to your success. Uh, I'd like for you to just sort of expand on it uh, as some advice to uh to our listeners, uh, maybe some young or even old uh, persons who are thinking about <laughs> the entertainment business or the acting business, um, what role does family play? Um, your own family growing up and your family that you have with spouse and, and children, two daughters, what role does that play? Um, and mentors and relationships. And, and, and the last thing, I'm, I just have to tell this story because <laughs> I remember going and watching you on several sets and I was watching you on a TV set and they were doing what they call reading. And so it's like a rehearsal and 
people have scripts in front of them and but you didn't have a script. Uh, you you just knew your lines. And I went back with your dressing room. I said, Phil, you know, other people are reading with the scripts. And, you know, you've got your lines all memorized. And I said, well, what's, what's the name of this? And you said, Dad, uh, you never know who's watching you. Right. I, I, I always <laughs> want to be on. I always want to be the at the best at what I do. I don't want a piece of paper in front of me. And I think one of the lessons here is that you are prepared for these jobs when they come open. So, Give us some thoughts about all of this, because uh, it's been a wonderful interview. Well, thank you. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of this, you know, really stems from from my upbringing, from watching, uh, watching you and mom and how you guys operate. Um, you know, preparation is key. Um, and, you know, there are certain, there, I think the most important thing to, in terms of success is, knowing what you can control and knowing what you can't control. Um, what I can control is how prepared I am. What I can control is the homework that I've done prior to getting to work. What I can control is my attitude while I'm on the set. What I can control is how nice and pleasant and, uh, and uh, positive I am when I'm on the set. Everything else I can't control. I can't control the environment. I can't control the other people. Uh, they're going to do what they're going to do. Um, we all have our own realities. Um, my reality is that I want to be a positive influence on what I'm doing and, and to, and who I'm working with. And that comes from you guys that, you know, we learned that at a very young age that, um, that success is being prepared and success is having the, the success is having a plan B, as you've always said, um, <laughs> success is having those, those things so that you're not left out there in the cold. Um, and, and that really, you know, stems from how you and mom, uh, brought us up. Thank um, you. Extreme, extremely important. Um, and you know, my family, my wife, Megan and our two daughters, um, uh, we've tried to instill that, uh, uh, to them, the, Megan is my rock and my support. Um, she keeps me grounded. She lets me know when, when, when things, when I'm, you know, uh, getting out of hand and I right. can't, I'm not seeing the forest for the trees. Um, she has a positive outlook. She, uh, I can bounce everything off of her. Um, and she and I are a team and that's really the thing. We're a team. Uh, and, and we include the kids on, on the decisions you know, that, that are part of the family making decisions. We include the kids because we want their input as well. Um, and, and that's something that, that we had growing up. So the would you, family would you, would is extremely just, important. Would you just elaborate on that? We, went, it, we used to call that the, what the dinner table conversations. Right. Exactly. As, as yeah. You were we'd growing all, up. Yeah. We'd all get to voice our opinions. Mine, you know, were usually heard and shot down pretty quickly, but <laughs> I was able to voice them. So. <laughs> you always want to know when you were going to get your bedroom because you were tired it's, of sleeping in the hallway. Exactly. But, 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 you know, I, I, your time is coming. That's really a whole other podcast. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Phil, Phil, this has been incredible, but I can't let you go. I can't let you go without talking about the Oscars. That was just, we had just seen the Oscars and there are a lot of aftermath about the no house Oscars and the the green door with the best picture and uh, right. Spike Lee and his, uh, and the black uh, Klansman uh, and the other pictures. Uh, I mean, just, and, and, and some of the reactions to this, to this year's Oscars, any thoughts on that before we close? 
Well, just, uh, you know, look, at least the conversation is being had. You know, right. people are talking about how far we've come or how far we haven't come. You know, uh, it, it, I, I do tend to lean towards the positive, which is, you know, in 2019, we are seeing so many different faces of color Mm -hmm. uh, in, in our, in our industry and, 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 and our guilds, I should say a shout out to the director's guild and that we are really pushing towards diversity behind the camera and in front of the camera and mm -hmm. diversity in this industry. And I think it's so important, especially in the climate that we're living in today, right. but we are, we really are there. Yeah. There's a lot of controversy and is there enough, uh, uh, um, but we really are seeing a lot of diverse uh, groups of people and, and, and uh, we're seeing women and we're seeing women of color. and We're seeing people of color that are making movies and being recognized. Right. And I think that's so important that we uh, that we honor that and that we do see that, um, you know, again, going back to one day at a time, obviously not a feature, but uh, but, um, you know, with a, a Latina family, this family's from Cuba. Mm hmm. And one day at a time. And like you said, we do deal with those, those issues of immigration and, um, and border security and, and things of that nature. And I think it's important as entertainers that we not take ourselves too seriously. We certainly want to get our points across, but right. we are entertainers and we're here to hopefully put a smile on someone's face or to have someone feel something or to have someone escape for an hour, um, from their, from their, the daily lives that they're, uh, uh, that they're leading. And, and that's really what we provide. And, you know, I, I think the Oscars are, they're fun and, you know, it gives us something to talk about for a couple of months, mm -hmm. but I think that the real reward is in the work and the work that we do, uh, not the award that we get. Um, it's in the work that we do. And if we are happy and passionate, uh, in the work that we're doing, uh, then it just keeps it, it, it multiplies. Gratitude is the great multiplier. I always say, and I'm so grateful that I get to do what I do every day. And so grateful that I'm able to hopefully put a smile on someone's face. So grateful that uh, someone will come up to me and say, Mr. Mosby, you were my childhood. <laughs> you know, right. So grateful that I've had those opportunities. And, and gratitude, I feel, is, is the key to all of that. You know, I often ask myself, um, uh, am I happy because things are going right or are things going right because I'm happy? <laughs> and I really believe that things are going right because I'm happy. That positive attitude that I take in my life and and grateful for the family and friends and people around me. I'm truly blessed and completely overpaid to be doing what I do. So, Well, thank you, Phil Lewis, uh, actor, director. You have put a smile on my face <laughs> beyond belief. We've been talking to actor, director Phil Lewis. Uh, he's had a tremendous, successful career. He's a great human being. He's not only a great entertainer, but he's a great role model, and he's a wonderful, beautiful son of, of ours. And so, Phil, thank you so much for this great interview. Keep well, doing what you. you keep doing what you're doing, and keep smiling, and keep believing in yourself, and contributing to you, your family, and our community. We love you. Thank you so much. Love you, and thank you so much for having me. Much, much appreciated. My pleasure. You have been listening to Fly on the Wall podcast conversations with Ambassador Delano Lewis. We had a great interview with actor-director Phil Lewis, uh, who's had a tremendous career uh, spanning some 30-plus years in the entertainment field. So come back next time. Uh, look forward to having you 
with us at Fly on the Wall Podcast. Till next time, Godspeed. You have been listening to the Fly on the Wall Podcast. For more information about this episode and previous episodes, plus great merchandise and more, please visit our website at flyonthewallpodcast.com today. 